Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Dive into God's Word. I want to just read something I thought was very, very intriguing, an amazing story that I think is very relative for us today. Chapter 6 of 2 Kings, starting in verse 1. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he, Elisha, said, I will go. Now, very simple. They're talking about an aspect of of dwelling and worship, and, and the place that they are worshiping is no longer big enough. There's no longer to dwell there. So they went to this prophet, Elisha, and they said, listen, we're going to go to the Jordan. We're going to build a new place. Each one of us is going to get a log, and we're going to do this. And he, is that okay with you? And Elisha basically says, thumbs up. Yes, that'd be great. And one of the servants comes in and says, wait a minute. Rather than us just going, would you do us a favor? Would, would you go with us? Would you go with us? And he says, sure. And so that's where they're at. So they're headed to the Jordan, and then at the gets really, really good. This is so funny to me. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees, but as one was failing the log, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, alas, my master, it was borrowed. Now, this is one of the areas I love about God's Word, because it lets me know to be humans okay. So let me set the stage for you. They have went to this place, to the Jordan, They are going to rebuild this, or not rebuild, but build a new place to dwell. They've got these different logs. This one guy, it doesn't say his name. It just says the one of them was failing away at this log. He's cutting on this log, and all of a sudden, his axe head flies off, goes in the water, and his first response was, don't worry, man, not mine. Like, if you've ever rented a car, you know what this is like, right? Like, I've been on some trips. Me me and Tyler go way back. There was one time that we were in, I mean, it was a sweet, sweet little nice brand new suburban. And we had to go through like, like a river, like creek. And he's like, what are you going to do, man? You can't take this through there. I was like, dude, it's a rental. It ain't mine. And boom, there we went. You know, I think that's the same trip I yanked off a gas hose, but that's beside the point. But it's one of those things that there's something about, nobody's ever going to let me borrow anything now, but that's okay. I'm better with your stuff than I am the rental stuff. But there's this concept that when it's not yours, you, you kind of lack ownership, right? And here's this guy, and he's working, and he's, he's flailing away at this log, and all of a sudden, the axe head flies off and goes in the water, bloop, and immediately his thought is, at last, master, hey, Elisha, hey, don't worry, wasn't mine. Now, it made me think, but it's somebody's. <laughs> yeah, like, I wonder if the other person that was there was like, well, yeah, but, but dude, that's mine. You know, like, like you got to realize that this is Old Testament. It's not like there's just ace hardware, Right? It's not like, hey, no big deal, I'll run down to the Home Depot and get another one. Like, it took some time. You had to have a, a, a workman, a, a guy that works with metal to make these axes and sharpen these axes and certain sticks. I mean, this was a bigger deal. And then I love Elisha's reaction. His reaction, and I don't even know where this comes from, but we're going to talk about it. Then the man of God said, and that's referring to Elisha, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick, threw it in there, and made the iron float. And he said, take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. Now, I don't know about you. I've done, been fishing quite a bit. And if you've ever been fishing, they usually have a pair of needle nose pliers or something that you're helping to get the hooks out. 
The other thing you notice about iron and needle nose pliers and stuff is if they fall in the water, you hear the bloom, and it's gone. Like you just, you move on. Like, ain't no need of sitting here spending a lot of time. But I love the fact that this axe head flies off. He looks at Elijah and he says, hey, don't worry, he's not mine. And Elijah's first response wasn't, oh, man, we'll get you another one. His first response was, well, hey, where'd it fall? Like, that's one of those questions that you want to go, does it matter? Like, it's, it's, it's in the river. Like, it's, it's gone. And then Elijah takes a stick, puts it in the water, and immediately the iron floats. And he says, now pick that up, put it back on your axe, and get back to work. Now, I'm going to come back to that at the end. But what I want you to catch is really two parts of this message. There's no way that anybody reacts that way in that circumstance without there being some sort of a precondition. In other words, there's been something that's happened in your life that's made you think, you know what? There's a solution that's out of the ordinary. Like you and I, if Luke takes me fishing and bloop, there goes the needle nose, we're preconditioned to be like, well, they're gone. That's the reason why we got two pairs in the boat. But his first response was, no, we're going to fix this. And it makes me wonder, where did that come from? Like, what makes Elisha think that all of a sudden, though he's a man of God and a prophet, like, that he can do something about this? Well, back up with me. Back up with me to where this whole story kind of starts with Elijah. It's just a few chapters back. It's in 2 Kings chapter 2. And this is when Elisha and Elijah are together. And we're going to start in verse 4. And just give me a second, and then it's going to make sense, Okay. Verse 4, Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you, are li- or you, you yourself are living, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho, and the sons of the prophets were at Jericho, drew near to Elisha, and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And you, he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, talking to Elisha again, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at a distance from them. As they both were standing by the Jordan, then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. Now, here's what a lot of you are thinking right now. Well, I know Moses parted the water, but I didn't know Elijah did. In fact, I'm going to show you here in a minute, there's five times in God's word that he parted water. And so what I want you to catch is what Elisha's response was with the, with the ax that sunk was something that he'd already seen through Elijah when he realized, you know what? God has dominion over certain things. And when I mean certain things, it's everything. And so he's already been shown through this concept that God has a way to part the water, to control the water, to do things that are bigger than than what this nature allows them to do. And so after that, after Elisha sees this, There's an amazing verse, verse 9. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taking away from you. And Elisha said, 
Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Now, can I chase a real quick rabbit? We have books out here in the lobby called Double Blessing that are literally centered around this one particular scripture. It's an amazing book. It's a great read. You say, oh, oh how much? They're free. All you got to do is go up there to guest service say, I'd like one of those books. And they'll give you a book. It's called Double Blessing. Most of us have read it. I've read it a couple times. It's a great. But the concept is simply this. Elijah, this prophet, is looking at the person that was walking with him, Elisha, and says, okay, you've seen a whole lot. You've seen and experienced a lot of things with me in my life. Now, before I depart from you, ask me what it is you want, and I'll give it to you. And what he asked for him is he said, I want a double portion of the blessing or the spirit or the anointing that's on your life. Now, the first thing I think is, well, whoa, Elijah, is that yours to give? Well, listen to what God's word says. Verse 9. And Elijah, sorry, verse 10, Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. That's Elijah just letting him know, like, bro, you asked something that's harder. Like, that's not really mine to give, but I'll allow God. Like, I'll petition God on your behalf, and and if this happens, God's giving it to you. I can't give it to you. And then he keeps going. The next verse. And as they sent... Uh, still went on and talked. Behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And then listen to these next verses. Then he, this is Elisha, took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah and he had, that had fallen from him. And he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the other side, and Elisha went over. See, the Jordan River and manipulating the water, and I want to use that word very, very carefully because the miraculous is happening, is not something that's new to Elisha's life. He's already watched Elijah part the Jordan. He's already hit the, with a cloak himself, mimicking what has already been shown to him in the water parts. So all of a sudden, when the axe head flies into the water and everybody goes, oh, my bad. Don't worry, though. It's not mine. Elisha knows something that nobody else knows because he's seen it with his own eyes. He knows that God can do stuff in that Jordan that nobody else can. See, here's what I want you to catch today. There are times in your life that you feel like you're doing things because God's called you to it. But the reality is, is God's called you to it for the next generation to see it so that they know later on that they can also do it. I'll give you an example. Well, why did Elijah know that he could part the water? Well, you can go to Joshua. Joshua hit the river and he parted the river. In fact, if you go, and I actually wrote down the scripture so you can check me up on it. It's Joshua and the nation of Israel. It's in Joshua chapter 3, uh, verses 5 through 17, and then chapter 4. But if you remember, that's the story where Joshua crosses the river. It parts. He goes over to the other side. When he gets there, he gets the 12 different tribes. He says, okay, each one of you will get a stone. And then they stack these 12 stones as to show for the provision that God had shown them by parting the water. 
And you say, well, where did, where did Joshua get that? Well, because before Joshua, the Israelites were leaving and they hit this Red Sea. And Moses like, what are we going to do? And he says, tell the, the priest to step in, the Levites. And when they step in, the Red Sea parted. And they walked through on dry ground. And when they crossed, then the Pharaoh's army's coming. And whoop, there they go. And next thing you know, they all die. So it, see, I'm saying, it's just transcending time. But what's really cool is, do you know the first time that God separated the water? It was in Genesis chapter 1. It says, and God separated the water, and he talks about creating this atmosphere, creating this, this earth. What you look out is the clouds. See, God is letting his people know that the things that he's already done, he can still do if they'll rely on the person that has the power rather than their own person in themselves. And that's really the message of what God's trying to tell Elijah and Elisha and all the other Israelites. He's letting them know that there are things that they can go do that they don't realize they can do. And the reason why they know they can do them now is because they've heard the stories or they've seen people do it. I'll give you an example. We live in a society that a lot of people would say that, like, like you need to be careful with what you do or, or how you love people or, or don't open yourself up because if you're not, people are going to take advantage of you. Like, be careful. You, you can't trust people anymore. But then you have a group of people that come along and say, you know what, maybe we just do what God's called us to do no matter the way they treat us or what they say or what they... And there's this whole group that comes up that says, well, well, I know we can do this because I've, I've seen other people do it. Like, I know we can, we can love people and, and bring all of our stuff and just give it away and, and people will come and get it and, and they'll be loved for it and they'll treat us with love and respect because we're meeting a need. We can go look at different people that may be it a widow in her home that needs some help with cleaning and, and she will open her door and she won't be afraid because we come under the banner of Christ and under his church and, and we can watch people serve and we go, wow, I, I can do this. Like yesterday's serve day was an amazing thing, but it was so much bigger than, than all of us here. Like you saw a big group of people that went to the back called the CRCC Kids. That's what I'm most excited about yesterday. Because see, all of them are gonna grow up and they're gonna say, let me tell you something that my mama and daddy used to do. Like, like back in the day, there was this really cool, like really like good-looking pastor. And he was at a local church in Cleveland. But at Crossroads, we were stuck with this guy named Mickey. And, but we, we did this thing called, you know what I'm saying? Like we're teaching them. You see what I'm saying? Like if you're a parent in the room, listen to me. More's caught than taught. Like, if you are so consumed thinking, I need to make sure I teach my kids the right, you ain't got to teach them nothing. All you got to do is just show them. Like, if you'll just do what you're called to do, I promise your kids are watching. And they're going to do what you do. If you have an issue with reacting, I'm not going to talk about you. I'm, I'm talking about me. <laughs> you know, like, like I, you know, everybody asks me, why don't you have a crossroad sticker on your truck? Because you don't want me to have a crossroad sticker on my truck. You know, I've got a Broad Street on one side, First Baptist on the other, you know, St. Teresa's Catholic on the window. Like, we got every church but Crossroads on my truck. Because, because there's times that, that my amazing little girls will say something, I'm like, like, wow, where'd that come from? Could you? Actually, usually they say their mama. No, I'm kidding. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like people are watching, Right? 
And here's the simple question. With what they're seeing, what do they think of how to handle things? Can I go back to chapter 6? When the axe flew in the water in 2022, you have something you want to accomplish. You feel God's called you to do it. You just need the right tools to do it. And one of the tools goes, boop, into the water. And in 2022, he said, well, I guess that's not what God wanted me to do. And maybe the reality is, is, is no, he's called you to do it. He just needs you to realize who's the one in charge of it. And so he's putting you with a group of people that are going to come in and say, listen, even though you may not feel like you have the right tools, we're fixing to show you what God has in your life. We're going to help you discover your purpose. We're going to let you see who you really are. Look at some of the gifts you do have. We're going to bring these things like, like you have life's hit you and you have a lot to offer. The only problem is your tools are in the bottom of the water. You've let them become unseen because of life's floods, and you just don't know what you have. And what we want to do is take a stick and just kind of stir your life. And say, hang on, now you see these axe heads starting to float up? Pick these gifts up. Put them in your life, and let's get back to building. You say, what are we building? People's lives. Like, that's what yesterday was all about. I cannot tell you how many people, it wasn't like everybody, but there were several. They were leaving, and, and they knew me, and they'd say, Pastor, 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 will you please tell the people, thank you. One of the highlights for me yesterday is, is before we got started, it was around 8 o'clock, maybe a little bit before because it's actually going into to speak to everybody at 8. So it's probably around 7.35, 7.40. And there was a lady that she said, she said, Pastor, 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 I heard you say something about fans. Do you, do you guys have any fans? Do you have any air conditions? Do you, I don't have anything at my house. And I said, well, ma'am, as a matter of fact, we do. We, we have backpacks. We have fans. Like, like anything we have in there, you're more than welcome to. And I thought, man, we're going, well, this is awesome. We're going to meet this lady's need, right? And one of the other people, that had showed up to come get some things because they had a need, turned around and said, ma'am, I'm getting ready to move. I got two air-conditioned units. If you want them, you can have them. I about fell over. Because I was literally sitting there going, you know, that, that's it, right? Like meeting people's needs is not based on some socioeconomical status or where you are in life. It goes back to last week's message. You can go to the podcast. It's about beating golden. Like, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. However you want people to treat you, you should treat others. And here was this person that's basically saying, listen, I may not have a whole lot of stuff, but whatever I do have, you can have. And you know why she was saying that? Because she was sitting in line, getting ready to go into a cafeteria that had so much stuff and was going to meet her need. And so naturally, when somebody was meeting her need, you know what she follows up with? Well, if you're going to meet my need, guess what? I can help meet somebody else's need. Let, let, me, let me tell a story, and maybe it'll make more sense. 
Nashville, of course, got the Titans several years back. A lot of people may not know this if you didn't grow up in Nashville, but, but Nashville, prior to a guy named Phil Bredesen, was not a real good town. <laughs> it, there was a lot of stuff down there. In fact, so bad that, that Branson, Missouri was starting to kind of become the place that people would go for country music and different shows, and that's the reason why Branson, Missouri exists. You say, Mickey, how do you know all this? Because I grew up in Nashville. But in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a particular mayor named Phil Bredesen who was governor, and then this mayor that came along that, that he said, you know, we're going to clean up Nashville. And they wanted to do it for a lot of different things, but to really kind of make Music City what it once was and to, to get it going again. And one of the highlights that made Music City start to become Music City again was the aspect that contemporary Christian music was launching. And this guy by the name of Michael W. Smith put this little club downtown called Rocket Town. And they started saying, wow, we can do some things about this. Well, in the process, they, they start to rebuild, and they get rid of some of the stuff that doesn't need to be downtown, and they start bringing in all these other things, and, and Nashville, as you know it, now exists. But in the process, all of a sudden, there was this team in Houston, that, this little football team called the Oilers, and they said, hey, we're going to move to Nashville. If you'll build us a stadium, then we'll come. Well, there was this big, huge plant called Trinity. Trinity Steel, and they made barges right there on the Cumberland River, and they would launch these barges, and right around the riverfront, they're like, okay, we'll build this place. And so they built this, and all these major athletes started coming because they were professional football players. And what people didn't know was, was just east of the interstate was Shelby Avenue. And Shelby Avenue in the 90s wasn't Shelby Avenue like it is now. Like, like there was some things down there, and there was a good place to get hot chicken, but that's about it. Well, this gentleman, being brand new, wanted to know his town, know his places, so he's a professional football player, and he jumps in his Jaguar, and he's like, I'm going to go ride around and, and see what this place is like. I need to find a place to do my nonprofit. Like, that's something that's common in the aspect of, of professional sports because of the money they make and, and trying to leverage that for the most good. So he leaves practice. He leaves out of Nashville, goes over the interstate, goes over to Shelby Avenue, going into the place that people would call the projects and going down to this little thing. And all of a sudden, he's driving, and wham, a brick hits him. I mean, right on the side of this Jaguar. I mean, nails him. He slams on the brakes, jumps out of the car, sees this little kid, grabs this kid. Boy, what in the world are you doing? Do you not realize how expensive this car is? You just hit my car with a brick. And this little boy says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, he, he was upset. He says, why did you throw a brick in my car? And this boy said, it's my brother. My brother's in a wheelchair and he's falling out. And I can't get him off the ground. And I've been wailing, I've been flailing, I've been trying. Nobody will stop. And so I saw a brick, and when I saw the brick, you was the next car, and I, I, just, I just need some help. I need somebody to help me get my brother off the ground and back into the wheelchair. But you can only imagine this Titan, all of a sudden his demeanor changes, right? And he goes over there, and he picks up this 12-year-old teenager and puts him up in this wheelchair. And they start talking, and he starts thanking him, and so he didn't see what was going on with the sidewalk, and didn't realize that curb was there, and, and the little boy's apologizing, and, and the guy said, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, and he leaves there, and he, he starts thinking about what was going on, and he's fixing to call his insurance, and he's fixing to go get this new Jaguar fixed, and he realized something. In fact, he, he doesn't even go get it fixed, because he says, you know what, I don't want to get running so fast in life that somebody's got to throw a brick at me to get me to notice. And it was just a reminder that every time he went out to that Jaguar, that it ain't about the money, it ain't about the prestige, it ain't about going and getting your own, 
It's about leveraging your life to notice people to make the most difference. And it's the concept that, you know what? I hope as a church that it doesn't take a brick for us to realize there's a need. He said, Mickey, we just did serve day. Like, like don't throw bricks at us. We just, I, no, I'm, not throwing, I, I'm, I'm loving you. Like, you guys are phenomenal. But I want to know what you do in the other 364 days. See, I look out at this room, and I think about those that are joining us online, and I, I see a lot of amazing people that God's positioned in such a way that the way you act and the things that you do is going to be leveraged for generations to come. Like, there's going to be somebody that says, man, listen, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, like school's coming up. We, we, we've got all these, these, these kids. I, we don't have no money. Like, I don't know what, like, I don't know how we're going to, like, what are we going to do? And they're going to say, you know what, i tell you what, I, here, here's what my granny did. When I was a kid, my granny prayed. And while she was praying on Facebook, she saw a serve day giveaway. Do you know we went down to that serve day giveaway and God answered those prayers. They were giving away backpacks and supplies and we, went, we walked out of there not only with backpacks and supplies but with shoes and with clothes and I don't know what exactly happened. All I know is that my granny prayed and God provided. I think that's what the summer of love is really all about. It's about doing what God's called us to do. Like when there's a family and they feel called to adopt a child and all of a sudden it's like, hey, we got this opportunity. It's like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And all of a sudden they call hope for one because they've been praying. And all of a sudden hope for one says, well, it just, it just so happens that yesterday we had a group of people that came in and they reorganized all this stuff. There's a lot of supplies here. They built some shelves. Like come and get whatever you need. And when that child grows up and they hear the story of their day when they were united with their forever family, the mom and dad's gonna say, well, let me tell you what was going on. We were praying. We were praying for a baby, and we didn't know what it was going to look like. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, man, like, like God opened up this door, and we didn't know what we were going to do because we didn't have anything. So we did the only thing we knew to do. We prayed. And while we prayed, you ain't going to believe this. We were on Instagram and saw this picture of a serve day giveaway and these service projects. And there was these people that they went to hope for one, and they started organizing the closets and got everything in order so that when we were ready to step through the door of faith, God had already met us halfway. And it all started when, when we prayed. But there's even a better story. There's going to be a lady that grows up that has children. That's going to remember the day that she got pulled from a home. And it was actually her 18th birthday. Her 18th birthday. But there was a place called Isaiah 117. And Isaiah 117 is one of the big projects and nonprofits that we support. You guys literally helped build that house, like in a very substantial way. We were a major role player in bringing that here. But yesterday, there was an 18-year-old girl on her birthday at that Isaiah 117 house. And on serve day, we were staining some decks. But we have this amazing lady called Shelby. Shelby, I call her Taterfield, who found out that this young lady's in there who's 18 years old. So you know what she did? While everybody was staining decks, she went and got a cake. 
And she went and got some stuff. She said, we're going to celebrate this girl's birthday. Don't you know that later on, when she's old and she has kids of her own, that she's going to be telling the story about her 18th birthday? And she's going to say, listen, I was at the lowest of lows. Like, it was my birthday. I just got pulled from my family. I'm no longer in the foster care system. I don't know what's going to happen next. I was literally, I was praying. I was in this home, and I was praying, Lord, do you even notice me? Lord, do you even care about me? Lord, do you even know I'm here? And there was this lady that came into my life named Shelby Satterfield, who was helping this church on serve day. And all of a sudden, I had a birthday cake had a birthday card, and God let me know really, really big through Isaiah 117 and Renee and all these amazing people that I was noticed, and I am worthy. See, there's a lot of people whose axe heads have flown into the water and they've sunk, but what you don't realize is the way you're living your life, you're stirring that water and God's bringing them back up for them to go do what they've called them to do. My only challenge for you this morning is I don't know how you can breathe and want to miss that. Like, that's just three simple examples that I gave you. And there are so many more because I want you to understand when we say we want you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and that last step, make a difference. I want you to know that sometimes even when you don't realize it, the difference is being made. Because there's going to be generations of people that are going to say, listen, when I hit this tough time, I prayed and this happened. You say, well, Mickey, is that why we do it? Do we do it because we want them to come to church? We want them to accept it? Nope. We do it because they're worth doing it for. And because we trust God that he orchestrates our steps and he controls this time pendulum so that people later on when they hit a tough time in life, they'll know how to react. So when they're in the middle of doing what God's called them to do and the axe head flies off in the water, they don't go, my bad, but it's not mine. No, they say, you know what, hang on a second, where's it at? Because let me tell you how we handle things. If we're going to talk about being life-giving, then we can't not be. I believe that not only did God see you, he built generations to come. They're going to know how to react because of the way you love in people this summer. That's a big, long message for me just to tell you. I love you. And thank you. It was so much more than task. It was so much more than projects. It was so much more than serve day 2022. It went from great to godly. Because God was in the center of it all. If you are encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.